2: process of being made holy. We haven't arrived yet. So, when will this deal about his enemies be made his footstool? When will that happen? Well, Ephesians 2.10 says this, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth. When will that be? At the second coming. When every knee will bow. By the way, the time to bow, it's not there.
0: Everybody likes to think that they live their lives without an authority figure looking over their shoulders. Some people's life goal is to achieve that position in life, to be on the top of the heap. They want to be a governor or a legislator or maybe even president. In other countries, people aspire to be the king or dictator. But as Pastor Mark will be teaching today that everyone has an authority over them whether they want to admit it or not. You'll be reminded today that all of these big cheeses someday are going to bow the knee to their Lord. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 10 as he continues his message, Enter In With Confidence.
2: Christ said, I know what the Father wants. He's looking for a perfect sacrifice. He's not really into the Old Testament. Yes, that was there. It was a temporary thing in between. started with Adam and Eve when he clothed them and so forth. But the final perfect sacrifice would have to be me. It would be Jesus. Jesus would kind of say this. I just put this in. Father, since the Old Testament sacrifice is imperfect, you have prepared a sinless body for me so that I might be the perfect Sacrifice. Now, that plan that Jesus knew, and he's speaking about here in Psalms, and in Hebrews it's being spoken about, this was not a new plan. The scripture says Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. So it wasn't like a secondary thought, it was always the plan of God to do away with the shadow and bring the complete. And Jesus Christ is the one talking about it. Now, back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. Notice what it says here. Then I said, Jesus speaking, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. So, Jesus would say this to us, John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven... To do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Understand, doing the will of God is better, number one, than just knowing the will of God. That comes from that obedient ear. So, there's nothing better in our life than doing the will of God. That's what Jesus did. Now, that's, as Jimmy led us in worship... I'm coming back to worship. What is worship? Worship was singing, like we did, and worshiping. But really, worship is much broader than that. Worship is simply doing the will of God joyfully. Just wanting to do the will of God. That's worship. You can sing all we want here, and if we walk out and don't do the will of God, it's not really true worship. So, Jesus came to do nothing but the will of God. Let's go back to... Matthew 26 for a moment, and just study how this worked out. You know it, but it's good for us to remind ourselves in the scripture. Matthew 26, verse 36. Now before I read that, notice what Hebrews 12, 2 says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning a chain, and sat down at the right hand of the throat of God. See, Jesus knew all along what the will of God was for his life. And he did it, no matter the cost. But more importantly, he did it willfully. But there was a battle of wills. Now look at verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to him, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away and bless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. You know, there's many people who say to us, all you have to do is pray once. Well, we see that's not true. Obviously, we have to pray and pray and pray until we get the will of God. And so he's in this process of submitting himself to God. And he says he went, and one more time, and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, by the way, what did God say to him? What was the will of God? To go to the cross. There wasn't another way. That was it. So you don't see a thing here with him arguing back and forth with God. He submitted to the will of God. Verse 45. Then he returned to the disciples and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Easy to read. Must have been incredible to experience. So Jesus came to offer his body as a payment for the sins of mankind. He became our substitute. Now look at verse 8. Back in Hebrews. First he said, sacrifice and offerings, burn offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. So by his death, in his resurrection, Jesus Christ took away the first covenant and established the second, the new covenant, in his blood. So as a result of obedience, our salvation is simply a done deal. Our forgiveness is complete. And I'll have a lot to say about that in a moment because sometimes we struggle with that. Verse 10, and by that will, we have been made holy. That word holy means sanctified or set apart. We've been made sanctified, set apart, holy through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ once and for all. So, what does that mean, this sanctification? Well, here's what we believe. And I think this is important for you. Let me read to you from George Landis. This is a positional sanctification, as is the case all through Hebrews. And it is true of all believers, and not merely a few advanced Christians. It is accomplished by the will of God and the sacrifice of Christ. We are set apart by God, to God, and for God. It is not to be confused with the progressive work of God's Spirit in the believer through the Word. Now... There's no place in the scriptures that we see other than positionally here, and sometimes that's hard for us to understand, that when we become a Christian and we're forgiven, that we're sanctified. We're perfectly holy. We can't ever sin again. We can't grow in our walk with God. We're just perfectly holy. Well, obviously, you know that's not true. How do we know that's not true? Well, because you take other scriptures and you compare it. Think about, if you could pick a human in the New Testament, that you would say may have been the most mature Christian of all Christians in the New Testament. Most of us would mention the Apostle Paul. And at the end of his life, what does Paul say? I haven't arrived yet. I'm still in this process of progressive sanctification. Still in this process of being holy. Well, we know that's true. But here's the verses that sometimes... There are a group of people, they're wonderful Christians, they're going to be with us, and they actually believe that you can come to a place in your walk with God where you're sanctified, set apart, you never sin again. I never see that in the Scripture. I think that's contrary to what the Scripture teaches over and over and over again. Positionally, that's the way God looks at us. But I mean, when we get to Ephesians, we'll see positionally, He already sees us in heaven. How many of you know we're not in heaven? I mean, if we are, this is a pretty bad place, isn't it? So positionally, yes. Notice, First John 1, verse 7. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So that tells me right there, there's nowhere in my life that I become perfect. I'm striving, I'm growing, but I never ever get there until, see, the power of sin is gone, the penalty of sin is gone, but the presence of sin is still here in my life. Paul said in Romans 6, 7, and 8, he talked about the whole deal. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I should do, I do. Boom, opposite, here we go. Read on. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful, just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So as you look at this, Jesus Christ allows us as followers to become holy, to be set apart, to obey God. When we sin, and we do, we have the Holy Spirit to convict us. And as we are convicted, then we confess. That's how we maintain this walk in the light. Now, as we walk in the light, I have fellowship with God. So this is a work of the Holy Spirit. You're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress as we move through it. So nowhere do we ever come to the place where we are sinless. But listen to what I'm going to say. As you mature in the Lord, you sin less. We never come to the place where we're sinless. We will when we get to heaven because the presence of sin is there no longer. But as you mature, we should be sinning less. That's a sign of maturity in your life, in my life. If you want to kind of make a New Year's resolution, there's a good one right there for all of us. Verse 11 Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. When this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, speaking of Jesus, he sat down at the right hand of God. So remember, the rest was never there for the Old Testament priest. Always, always, always offering sacrifices. Jesus, once, for all, done, finished. So what about myself? When we confess a sin, you never have to think about it again. Christ has forgiven us. Forgotten the sin. The sin no longer exists. Here's something I want you to write because we all struggle with this from time to time. Because the enemy, well, he loves to just torment us. Don't think or focus on your sins of the past. If you and I do that, there is no rest. And you'll always feel condemned. And you'll always feel unworthy. Unworthy. And the enemy will use that in your life to keep you from moving forward. We all know we're a work in progress. We all know that God's grace is needed in our lives. You're no exception. I'm no exception. Every one of us are the same. So don't allow that to happen. As a Christ follower, my sins are forgiven and forgotten. And too many people allow Satan to bring up their past sins and... And because of that, they live with false guilt. Little sign I have in my office, get over it. Just leave it go. God sent his son to take that away from you. Let it go and be at rest. You'll hear this verse again, reminding us of that principle. Remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? went through the whole deal. They're going to stone her the whole deal. When it finished, Jesus said to her, where's your accusers? She got up and she said, there aren't any, Lord. He said, go and what? Send them more. He didn't focus on the past. He said, they're forgotten. Let's move on. Get over it and get on with life. And go to a different lifestyle. Be a different person. Verse 13. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That goes perfectly with the sanctification. We are in the process of being made holy. We haven't arrived yet. So, when will this deal about his enemies be made his footstool? When will that happen? Well, Ephesians 2.10 says this, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow, in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth. When will that be? At the second coming, when every knee will bow. By the way, the time to bow, it's not then. Verse 15. Now the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is a covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. And I will write them on their minds. So we're going back to Jeremiah. Whole thing we covered a few weeks ago. The new covenant has to do with an inner transformation. It's not simply just the written. But it's from our hearts. Verse 17. Then he adds. Their sins and lawless acts. I will remember no more. There it is again. Why should we remember it? When he's forgotten it. So just let it go. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. No more. Again, perfect forgiveness, complete forgiveness. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. What should we do? You'll see three things in a moment. But look at this. No Old Testament believer, that's who he's writing to, doesn't make a bit of sense to us. Because we never experienced what the Old Testament did. But no Old Testament believer would ever have been bold enough to try to enter the holy, holy. You wouldn't have anybody, you know, doing a picket thing, let's all go through the curtain and enter the holy, the holy. They knew better. I mean, they'd be dead. There was no way to do it. In fact, we know there was only one exception. That was a high priest. And he made sure his sins were forgiven before he went in. So this thick veil in the temple was always a sign that man couldn't approach God. Notice what it says here. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. So what really happened? Well, as Jesus' body was being torn on the cross. Notice what happened. Let me read it to you out of Matthew 27. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. So what does that mean? Jesus' death opened the way for the very first time for everyone. We have access to God. I can go to God. I can always just say to God, and see, the curtain said, stay out. Jesus said, come on in. That was worth more than one amen and hallelujah in this place. I know there isn't a praise band up here, but come on. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, look back in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, who's the person that can approach God? Christ followers. Really, the only prayer that God hears from an unbeliever is what? God, save me. See, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God doesn't hear me. So if I don't have a relationship with God, and I'm not interested in that relationship, God doesn't hear my prayers. That's a relationship that I can have. Notice, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... The only one that has confidence can boldly go to God in prayer is a Christ follower. That's the benefit of being a Christ follower. Now, what are the invitations? Let's just read again. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, what should we do? Well, look at verse 22. Number one, let Pastor Mark draw near to God. Is that what it says? No. Well, let Pastor Dave, Pastor Dean, draw near to God. No? What's the word that you want to circle in your Bible? Who is us? Us. It's all Christ followers. I want you to see that as we go through. Us, the church, is a body of believers. It's family. I'm not the one that approaches God boldly by myself. Certainly I do that as an individual. But God doesn't just do it for the pastors. He doesn't do it for these kind of who all we would think are special people. There are no special people. He does it for us. All of us. And so, understand, this comes back to a a very important principle that I want to give to you. Kind of preaching to the choir, but it's okay. We weren't designed to do life alone. Jesus never did life alone. He shared life with his disciples. Remember? Mary, Martha, Lazarus, good friends. He was with them in their relationships. So here is one of these five C's that we have. Connect. Here's our five C's. We start with commit to the Lord. That's what we do. We commit ourselves. And we do this because of a commitment to Christ. Christ is the center of everything. Because of that, I can come boldly. And then I want to connect. That's the one I want to talk about tonight. Connect. Us. We're family. We're together. That's what God designed us to be. And I can come boldly in actually three ways that the Scripture tells us to do it. So let's look at them. Number one. Let us... And the original language means this, let us continually come. Let us draw near to God. So right by that verse, verse 22, you can write the word faith. Because you're going to see faith and hope and love in these three wonderful invitations for all of us.
0: The idea of giving over an animal to be sacrificed for your sin is probably a hard one to wrap your mind around. Pastor Mark taught today that while this made sin personal, it also showed the temporary nature of the sacrifice. You learned how God, by having Jesus be the ultimate sacrifice, made sure that everybody's sins would be covered at all times, for all of time. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude his teaching, Enter In With Confidence. You'll learn more about Christ followers' access to God through Jesus and how it's far better than what had been available in the past. Pastor Mark will also talk about the importance of meeting together in church and of encouraging each other to be better followers of Christ. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series in the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: in a